Trigger warning. This episode might contain talk about suicide, CSA, rape, or racism. Just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. Who are Kenyatta and Jack? We're just friends who are Gen Xers, former Air Force brats, parents, taxpayers, and citizens of the earth. And we're here to save it one podcast at a time. Welcome to Kenyatta and Jack Save the World. If you're tuning in, this is our inaugural podcast, and we intend to save the world one podcast at a time. If you haven't figured it out already, I'm Kenyatta, and with me is Jack. Say hi to everybody, Jack. Hey, everybody. How are you doing? We can't hear your response, but how are you doing, Kenyatta? <laughs> I'm well. How have you been? I have been, I have been all right. Kenyatta is in the... The fine state of Virginia. Jack resides in what happens to be both of our hometowns, Oklahoma. That's right. We uh, went to, well, I guess I started in fifth grade at Tinker Elementary, but we went to elementary and junior high and high school together. Mm -hmm. Both of our dads were in the U.S. Air Force. Yes. Both stationed at Tinker. Mm -hmm. And then we graduated high school and we grew up and lived our lives and had kids and then reconnected on Facebook and we're like, hey, we are very similar and we really like each other. <laughs> there you go. And I find I find reconnections like this one of the handful of benefits of social media. So Yes. I'm glad for sure. For it. Me too. And now we're gonna save the world. One podcast at a time. Oh, hang on, so. let me hang hang on. I can make it sound really cool. You ready? Yes. One podcast at a time. Excellent. <laughs> Let's do that often. Oh, no, we have to like do it on surprise so people don't know when it's coming. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So uh, we've decided we're going to start out uh, the podcast with something that we're going to call our WTF moment. And we uh, flipped a coin, and I'm going to let Kenyatta do her, what, her WTF moment to start out with. So what is your WTF moment? My WTF moment has to do with a little story. And this happened, oh, actually yesterday uh, in California. Mm -hmm. An armored truck, well, the back door of an armored truck traveling down I-5 popped Mm -hmm. open and money started flying out. Mostly ones and twenties, but money is money, so... Naturally, we know what happens next. Uh, Everybody behind the truck stops, pulls over, jumps out, grabs the money. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I've heard this. I've heard this a version of this story before, once or twice. Things happen. What tickled me is that two people that were together in the same car hopped out like numerous other people to snatch up the cash and lock themselves out of their own car. <laughs> And their car was in the middle of traffic, stopped traffic for miles until California Highway Patrol came to fetch them. (laughs) (laughs) 
And I'm sure they were like, we were just collecting the money to give it back. I mean, I can't, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I've had a moment or two in my younger years that I've locked my keys in a car. It's, it's happened. Yeah. Well, yeah. But it's never been during the commission of, I imagine, would be a felony in this case. <laughs> right? <laughs> I guess the saving grace is that it was ones, because if they collected $200, that would only be a misdemeanor. <laughs> True. And I, I, it, like I said, it didn't say, you know, how much they got. It didn't mention, you know, was any of it returned. Ha, ha, ha. But that part of the story tickled me, that they were so eager to jump out of the car to get this money that they locked themselves out. I mean, it, and there's a certain amount of shame face that comes with locking your keys in the car to begin with. Right. <laughs> but now you've locked your keys in your car and your car is sitting in the middle of an interstate and you have to admit the fact that, yes, you were one of many people that jumped out and tried to steal money. Great. <laughs> <laughs> right. So... It's funny that that's your WTF moment, because I just saw a thing in the news where a tombstone pizza, you know, the frozen pizza delivery truck overturned, and there were tombstone pizzas scattered all throughout the highway. <laughs> and I would almost be more excited about collecting up those frozen pepperoni pizzas than a bunch of ones, <laughs> yeah. especially with inflation right now. Basically, I mean, the grocery store is nonsense. Just mm -hmm. I, and as hard as I try to stick to my shopping list, of course, there's stuff you just see and you want it right on the spot. You don't expect that that final total to look like that. You're just standing there like, what? What am I thinking about? Am I even going to eat this? Yeah, what just <laughs> What just happened? Do I really need food? Basically, can I just get along on sandwiches and ramen noodles? Is that possible? Let's yeah. <laughs> yeah. If ramen noodles shoots up to a dollar, we'll know that the world is ending. I mean, you you. I don't know if you've heard, but the the dollar store, the Dollar Tree. Yeah, they they're up in their prices. A buck twenty five for most items now, and do you know that there are people that have the nerve to be outraged? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just misleading. You have to change the sign now. Do they? Do they really? Yeah, you know, Dollar General and Family Dollar. They quit charging a dollar a long time ago so yeah they did they did so what is your wtf moment or story today Jack? <laughs> okay well i had initially planned on going uh, something that was covid related and then last friday i saw this little piece of information and i completely had to change it to this but it does require a slight backstory and i hope i'm going to say this in a way that Fills it in and explains the backstory. Okay. So let's say you're the oldest child of a reality TV show where you have like 18 siblings and you live in Northwest Arkansas. Mm -hmm. And you get a job at some uh, right-wing Christian family thing to lobby Congress to, I guess, whatever you lobby them for for that company. Mm -hmm. And you're talking about family values and family matters. And let's then just say a story breaks because of Oprah that when you were 14 years old, you molested four of your sisters and a babysitter. Mm -hmm. And that was a pretty big deal. And then you got kicked off of the reality TV show. And then they end it, but they gave it a new name and bring it back. And... 
It was sort of a big deal on national TV. The parents say went on Megyn Kelly on Fox. And then let's say a couple months after that, when that sort of dies down, there's a breach for a little company called Ashley Madison that is a website that you pay so you can have affairs. Let's just say it turns out that you had three separate accounts that got released when that happened. Let's just say then fast forward to November of 2019 and your used car lot gets raided because, uh-oh, your computer at the work allegedly has a bunch of, well, child porn is what it's officially called. It's really more child sexual assault videos. Right. Actually, I guess that was 2020 when it happened, but 2021 May, you get arrested and you get put on house arrest. And let's just say your wife is pregnant with baby number seven. And then in October, she has baby number seven, which is a girl. Do you think that maybe if you were in a national scandal involving a company called Ashley Madison, that naming that baby Madison might be a big fuck you to your wife? Mm. Possibly. You think? Or, or, and I hate to try to diagnose people because I only took two psychology classes. <laughs> it may be that you might be a big old sociopath uh, and a pervert to boot. Um, yeah. And in, in for the life of me, I used to watch that show way back when. I thought it was cute until... Yeah. started hearing about how that family operated more like a military regimen or however you want to put it than like a family. Like oh, all, yeah. All the, you know, the, all the older kids took care of the younger kids and everybody had chores. And yeah. it was and then I, you know, dug in a little bit and I read about the the religion that they follow. Their yeah, that people. is that is a cult. The IBLP. Yes. That is mm-hmm. a cult. Yeah. And I was and- like, oh. So yeah. this is what they're doing over there. Yeah, but I don't know. It's just something, you know, Josh Duggar, when you're probably going to be going to jail for a maximum of 40 years and you're leaving your brainwashed wife to raise your kids, might be kind of a shitty power play to make you, make her name the last kid Madison. Yeah, that that's like every every new thing that came out with that was... And I don't know how it's possible, but every new thing that came out, especially about him, was more and more and more disturbing. And especially for the fact that, if I understood it right, when he was accused of molesting his sisters, they 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 took him aside for some supposedly in-house counseling. Their in-house counseling was he got shipped to a friend of theirs, and the friend of theirs was basically putting in like a cattle pond sort of mm-hmm. thing, and he had to dig it with a shovel. Oh, well. That was his punishment. And then he had to admit what he did and get his head shaved at church. And the rest of it was the daughter's fault. Because in their cult, it is never it is never the rapist. It is always the rapee yeah, that is to blame. And, yeah, their their church literally teaches women that since your body belongs to God, you technically aren't being raped. The person is raping God. Yeah, that's absolutely bizarre. <laughs> I yeah. can't. I mean, I've I've heard of other quote unquote religions that use that same rhetoric, mm-hmm. 
when it comes to sexually assaulting women. And I don't even want to get into it because we'll, we'll go on all day. But <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, like the fact that that family and in, in particular him was such center stage for so long. And I still can't get over that first mugshot that was going around the Internet. Mm-hmm. For the longest, and he's smiling. I'm like, "What are you? Yeah. What are you smiling about, you sicko? What?" Well, he doesn't cares? think he's going to get in trouble. He's never had any real consequence for anything. Because even getting kicked off the show didn't matter because uh, Daddy still paid for everything. Mm-hmm. And Daddy screwed over his daughters, and he was the only one that got paid for those shows, even when he wasn't on it. And then mm-hmm. he had all of the kids convinced that it was just for. Min- it was their ministry to get people to turn to God, so they yeah. didn't get paid. They were volunteering their time. Yet he made millions of dollars off of it. Oh yes, yes indeed, yes so. indeed. Yeah, but. I just, ugh. yeah, that is that is definitely a WTF. Like what I, <laughs> I what are you thinking? <laughs> what is what are any of them thinking? And I'm, I don't know. We might have touched on this at, at some conversation before, maybe on or off the record. But I just, I guess people, I won't say necessarily normal people because normal is subjective. But most people that have a certain moral compass can't understand why people like him do what they do and seem to have no problem mm-hmm. with it. And like you said, sometimes it's because they don't, they don't actually see any consequences. Yeah. from their actions and they've been supported and coddled and saying you know you're okay there's nothing wrong with you this is the problem over here so it's it's difficult for folks that have some kind of conscience to be like how how do people keep doing this to other people and, and they're okay yeah. with it i just it's just ew it's just even thinking about it now i just i really want to go wash my hands just <laughs> <laughs> right part of it is their religion views all sin the same, or like the Bible says, all sin is the same to God, which mm-hmm. it does say that. Mm-hmm. So they don't scale. To them, porn is bad. But to them, mm-hmm. porn is bad. But there's no difference between porn between two consenting adults that are getting paid for it and then porn where it's an adult person doing horrible things to someone, you know, most of the time under the age of 15. Yeah. To them, that's the same thing, and it's like, no, no, I, I, there is a difference there. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and say yes. There's a huge difference, but like you said, it's just whatever interpretations they have, or whatever way they want to read the Bible, or whatever religious text they happen to follow. It's just, it's maddening. It's maddening. It's, it's, and to me, it's never, it's never been about the religion being a problem. Mm-hmm. Any religion, you know, it's about how people choose to interpret it and then apply it to their lives or try to apply yeah. it to other people's lives. That's been the problem for me. So Yeah. Anyway, I just couldn't believe that and that was quite a WTF moment. So I had to pivot and go to that. But And I didn't know it was their yeah. seventh. I thought it was like their fifth. No, no, it's it's it was seventh. seventh. Yeah, I didn't mean for it to end up taking so much time out of the, the beginning of the show there, but that's that's okay. That that just gave me some new things to look into. Not that I want to, but it's my curiosity now. So <laughs> Yeah. That this is way number one that we're going to suggest the world listen to to save it. And that is if you're going to jail, don't name your daughter after a big giant cheating scandal thing that you were in that probably doesn't make your wife feel good. 
I'm sure she's just fine with it. She has to be. <laughs> I, I can't imagine, but I'm 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 gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and say yes. Yeah, she's someone has talked to her and has made her okay with this. So yeah. 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 Anyway, that's you know fun, fun, fun. Indeed. So as we are recording this, it is the Tuesday before Thanksgiving of twenty twenty one. And we've decided we wanted to discuss some current court cases that are going on. Uh that would be Kyle Rittenhouse. And something that I take umbrage with, but I'm going to call it this at the beginning, so everyone will know what I'm talking about, and that is the Ahmad Avery trial. And Kenyatta and I have discussed it, and she knows that I don't like calling it that, and we'll bring that up here in a minute. And then, of course, the uh, the Charlottesville Unite the Right uh, verdict just came in, and they just lost a whole bunch of money. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of our topic of the day. So I'm sure by the time this airs, we will know what happened on on the Ahmad Avery trial, which is the only one that hasn't had a verdict yet, but the jury has gone back. So I guess I'll just go ahead and say it. My problem with the the press and the way it's being framed with Ahmad Avery is that that's what they're calling it. Mm-hmm. He's not on trial. And when you phrase it that way, if somebody's not necessarily paying attention, they would think when they read that, that there was some guy named Ahmad Avery who murdered somebody and he's on trial and not that he is the victim. Right. And now this is going to make me sound like a, like a racist dick, yeah. but let's be honest in, a, in the U S most people named Ahmad are either Muslim or African-American, you know, at the very least, they're generally speaking, not white people. And so that puts a, a picture in someone's head. And that's not the case. It should be called the McMichael McMichael Bryan trial because they're the ones that are on trial. Yep. It was the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. They didn't name it after the victims of the, the, of the people he shot. Mm-hmm. And, it, and honestly, I don't even know if, I don't even know if it was a conscious thing that the media did it is it definitely needs to be swapped around it it, it I, I i i genuinely believe that it is conscious um and and my my belief was pretty much cemented earlier this year when the former police officer derek chauvin went on trial yeah. for murdering george floyd and in the same fashion a lot of media outlets were calling it the George Floyd trial, which, yep. just like you said, makes it look like George Floyd was on trial for something. Right. Mm-mm. And then that just, I mean, for me, and I'm sure a lot of other people, you know, my attentions were heightened the whole time from the time that it happened last spring all mm-hmm. the way through the last year up until the trial. I was paying a good deal of attention to how a lot of media outlets were approaching this. And that's what I saw. A lot of them kept referring to it as the George Floyd trial. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, he's the victim. He's the victim, and he's no longer here to tell his side of the story. Yeah. So, and that's when I knew, and I kind of, and it's not so much that I had confirmation from someone who knew better than me, but I did. But... Again, just just watching how that trial was handled, and, and depending on what media outlet was reporting it at every given moment, 
that told me, okay, this, this all this is deliberate. Yeah. It it's deliberate in trying to make the victim um make the victim out to be the aggressor in these cases. Yeah. It, it, it's just not true. Yeah. It's it's just not true. And just to I guess come back to the McMichaels uh, Bryant trial going on right now, as you said, and they're currently in deliberations. To me, anytime any news outlet reports a trial like this, especially when it's a black person that's been a victim at the hands of someone who's not black, and usually it's someone white, Some sometimes it's someone who's a level of authority, someone in law enforcement, sometimes it's not. We've seen both. Mm-hmm. The, I, the theory that that I've, 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 I've come up with after watching so many of these, unfortunately, is that when you make it look like it's the victim who's on trial, who, who, who looks like they've done something wrong, it's mm-hmm. supposed to minimize the guilt of the person who's actually on trial. Right. Yeah. Like I say, if you're not paying attention to what's going on, you know, you really might not realize the person that was on trial. And that frames things. It puts things in a certain image in a person's head and you get enough of that over the years and i don't know it just it just something i took umbrage with because i felt that it phrased it wrong Mm -hmm. absolutely and it it, mm, i guess and it and it, it it ties into um not just how media refers or what they what they prefer to call certain trials but also the images that they show of both the victims and the perpetrators. Mm-hmm. Um, how, again, depending on, and a, a, a good example of this was the Zimmerman trial. Mm-hmm. How, depending on what outlet you looked at, you either saw certain pictures of his victim, Trayvon Martin, a certain way, and then certain outlets would show completely different pictures of him that made right. him look... Um, like a juvenile delinquent, basically, when he was the furthest thing from that. Let me uh, quickly interject. If you hear a loud rumbling in the background, it is because I live very close to the runway for Tinker Air Force Base. Or not close to the runway, in the path of it, and the sound of freedom was just flying by. So anyway, back. But yeah, no, you're right. And I think the media, I mean, I suppose I could ask my niece. She just graduated from uh, journalism school Mm -hmm. at OU and I suppose I could ask her the next time I see her if the way they frame things is something that is brought up in class and the power that that has Mm, that would be a good question but yeah I I, like I said it's not that I me or any or anybody else who feels a certain way when these kinds of things happen it's not like we want to watch these stories but we're compelled to even even though even though at this point in time, you know, if you've been around long enough, you've seen one that you want to, and you're a little shell shocked. But yeah, I get. I guess you watch it, maybe with a diminishing sense of hope each and every time that maybe there'll be some kind of, I guess you can say, quote unquote, justice for the victim. And then every time mm-hmm. it seems there's not, you're just like, mm. okay. yeah. This sort of leads me to a point, and it's been brought up on uh, various news outlets, and that is, I don't understand why in the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, 
there's been this trend of white dudes who for some reason think that they're the police and that they need to go around and be doing citizens arrest and chasing people down with guns because well that guy was in our neighborhood he's clearly suspicious so we had to go and and stop this person until the police got there why are they doing that i don't understand this you know what i do if i see something that's suspicious which has happened i just call the police and then when they arrive i explain what i saw mm-hmm. and the, the the i'm just gonna say the audacity of it all like you said it's it's it is apparently a certain level of entitlement that certain folks align themselves or give themselves some level of authority to be able to go and do these things, whether it's in their neighborhood or the next state over. I'm going to go in here. Yeah. I see some I see some things that aren't right. So I'm going to go in here and, and I'm going to go ahead and take care of it. I'm going to go in here and regulate. And with, yeah. with what blows my mind, especially with um, the McMichaels and the Bryans, is that, or Brian, is that None of them saw Ahmad commit a crime. Yeah, it was just, oh, hey, there's a, there's a black dude running through the neighborhood. Clearly, he's committed a crime. And they insist that they did this because there had been a rash of break-ins in the neighborhood, which to any citizen in, in the neighborhood, of course, that's a source of concern. But they had had construction, new house construction in the area. And I don't know about you, but when I was younger and even when i got a little bit older if i'm walking by a house under construction i'll go peek a little but even though they had ahmad on surveillance looking they had no proof that he had ever he had ever stolen anything yeah so all that was is that daddy mcmichael was sitting on his porch and he saw ahmad run by he yells in the house for his son they grab their keys they grab a gun they get in the truck, they go. And then neighbor Brian says, oh, what's going on over there? And then he gets his keys and his phone and his truck and follows mm-hmm. him. Yeah. And they, run, and- they run this man down and box him in, trying to tell him to stop. We just want to ask you questions. And here's, here's my thing. I don't know what they thought was going to happen. But if that was me and I was minding my business jogging, I'm not stopping for some random Yahoo screaming at me from a truck to stop. I want to ask you a question. I don't think so. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't stop. Running. I, that's what I'm saying. So there's no there's no plausible reason why these, these men thought that this, this young man was supposed to stop for them. Yeah, and then they have the, the audacity to be like, well, it was self-defense. We thought he was going to hurt us. First of all, fuckers, you had the guns. Number exactly. one. Mm-hmm. Number two, he wouldn't have come at you had you not just chased him for five minutes in a truck. How about that? So, you know, there's that. Mm-hmm. So, but, well, well, you know, after we chased him down and threatened him with the gun and everything, we thought he was going to hurt us, so I shot him. He came at me. Well, no shit, Sherlock. You know how all of this could have been avoided? Was if your racist ass would have stayed at home. Or even simpler still, and I agree with that, but simpler still, minding your business is still 100% free. Exactly. You don't go to jail for minding your own business. 
Well, except for maybe the end of that, the end of the last episode of Seinfeld. (laughs) (laughs) That was like maybe one of the few episodes I actually watched and I still didn't get it. I'm just going to say it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. Yeah. Like who, who annoyed you anything? Yeah. Okay. Daddy McMichael used to be a cop. Great. His son, was it his son that was in the Coast Guard at some point? Yeah. Great. He was, yeah. Neither one of you are active law enforcement members. Yeah, and first of all, if you're in the Coast Guard, I, I, I hate to break it to you, and I know this is going to sort of sound like a dick, all the other services make fun of you. <laughs> I'm not saying what you do is not important. I'm just letting you know all of the other services make fun of you, and that probably includes the Space Force, which is like eight months old. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're, you know, you're, that's, it's, it's an, it's an, uh, actual and sad fact. So, yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I, and I, I guess that's, and, and what, and what is probably going to stick in my mind about this case more than anything is the fact that this happened last spring and it took two months in the leaking of the video for those men to be even be arrested. Yeah. They How did the cops not pull up? Anything. Yeah, well, how did the cops not pull up and be like, you know, it kind of looks to me like you guys may have, I don't know, murdered this young man. Well, they they did call the cops, and the cops showed up, and only one showed up at first. Right, but why didn't the cop go, you know what, it looks like you murdered this fella. <laughs> We're going to arrest you. Because they, they told the story that they wanted to tell. Yeah. And, and uh, mm. You're right. I forget that they lied to the <laughs> the cops and yeah. I mean, they've told like two, three different versions of the story already. From what yeah, I understand. But yeah, you know, apparently the cop was, you know, he didn't render aid to Ahmad because he was the only one there, and he wasn't sure whether or not it was safe to turn his back on them. Shouldn't that you're telling that to people on the stand? Shouldn't that have been your first signal that something was wrong here? There was a different story than what these men were telling you. Yeah, that should have been his first clue. But okay, okay. Yeah, and I don't know. I self defense. It was not. I just don't see how you can put yourself in self defense when you wouldn't need to defend yourself had you not threatened the other guy. Had you minded your own business and stayed right there in your house and yeah. the price is right. Editor Jack here from the future. I wanted to do a quick update. As I was editing this, they announced the verdict on the McMichaels, McMichaels, Brian trial. And the son, Travis McMichael, was found guilty on all nine counts. The father was found guilty on eight of the nine counts. And then Brian was found guilty on six of the nine counts. And I just wanted to... Throw that in, since that's uh, what we're talking about here. We now return to your regularly scheduled podcast content. Which, of course, then goes to the Kyle Rittenhouse thing. Guess what, Kyle? If you would have kept your ass in Chicago, rather than driving there, breaking the law, interstate gun laws when you're 17 with a weapon you're not allowed to have... To go and protect those businesses. If you would have stayed at home, guess what? You would not have had that whole court case. Mm-mm. And here's an interesting thing. There was a the gun charge that had gotten dropped 
and I needed to know why. So I did some research and I read up on not someone I know personally, but it's someone um, that happens to be a lawyer. And he made a very good point about why that charge was dropped. I believe it was put into place in 1991, 91, 94, somewhere like that, the early 90s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, supposedly it was to no one under the age of 18 can own or have or possess this type of gun, so on right. and so forth. And then the last line of it was actually the only kinds of guns of this kind that are prohibited to be carried by minors are those with sawed-off barrels. Hmm. And the theory behind why they worded the law the way they did was the 90s was that period of time that we start seeing gang activity move in from the coasts into the middle of the country into Midwestern states. Mm-hmm. And the idea, or I don't even know if it was anything that was proven, but the theory was the the law was worded that way to allow, quote-unquote, law-abiding youngsters that go to hunt to allow, to allow them to use the guns, but not to let right. urban kids use these guns because the, supposedly they were the perpetrators of all this gang violence in the city. Yeah. So well, that's why the the law the law was worded the way it was, right? And that's why they dropped it because they said it didn't apply to him because he didn't have a sawed off barrel. Right. Well, hooray! And the responsible way to do it, because getting your young kids or whatever into hunting, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But here's the responsible way to do it. Uh, my wife's dad was a lifelong hunter. He started, you know, when he was a young man and he was a lifelong hunter and he grew up in a time where you did not take your daughter's hunting with you. My wife's older sister would not have gone, but my wife would have. Uh-huh. And I went with him hunting a couple times. I didn't grow up a hunter, but I went with him a couple times, but my son Duncan, he wanted to go hunting and it was almost like he won the Bass Pro Lottery because every time we went over there, Heather's dad had something new for him (laughs) but he bought him a rifle Uh but the rule was this rifle stays in my house in my gun safe until you turn 18 years old and have graduated from high school Uh it's like you have to be graduated from high school before you can have possession of this rifle and duncan knew that now he would take Duncan to the range and they sighted it in and everything. But when they were done, he put it back, you know, in the gun safe at, well, obviously he cleaned it. And that was the way it was uh, supposed to be. So Heather's father died. I think Duncan was, I guess he was in eighth grade when that happened, but he still, even though everyone knew he was going to get that, get that rifle, he still didn't collect on it until after he graduated from high school. As a matter of fact, he had Heather's mom keep it in the safe until until he moved to his permanent duty station in Colorado because he just didn't want to be responsible for it until he was, you know, on his own. That's how you handle a gun thing, not do like this case happened where somebody went to a gun store, illegally purchased it for somebody, which is a, a felony, filled out the Brady Bill and bought it for a minor like that. That is 
a straw buy, a straw purchase, and that is against the law. And I am glad to hear that the person who did that is going to get prosecuted for that. Good. It was it was all in all a series of stupid people that making stupid decisions, which ultimately led to people being shot. When the truth of the matter is, all of that doesn't happen if Kyle Rittenhouse doesn't think that he can go and do the job of the police. Mm-hmm. And, and, and once again, to me, that's just an indication of the enforcement of the entitlement that certain folks have. And I, I hate to say it, but unfortunately, oftentimes it does tend to be white people. And and then and, and I should I should amend it by saying, and it's going to sound funny when I say it, but I'm going to explain it. And white adjacent people. So what I mean by that is that folks who aren't necessarily white, they may mm-hmm. be of another ethnic background, but they their beliefs and the way they act and the things they um, they believe in and practice tend to fall in a certain um, a certain level of entitlement, or they think they're entitled to do mm. these things because they know somebody or they believe. Does that make sense? I don't yeah, know if I'm no, explaining it does. exactly right. No, it makes and sense. It, it's how I feel about Zimmerman because Zimmerman did not identify as white. I think he identifies as Latino. He, but he Zimmerman was sense. weird because he's Jewish Latino. Yeah. He had that, I, I think he had that same sense of, you know. Yeah. It, I'm on this side. I'm on the side of rightness, so I'm going to go ahead and do what I think is right, and what I think is right is based off how I've seen white folks act. Yeah, see, and like to me, if say I come out of my house and I see my neighbor's house is being broken into, I go in and I call the police. Do I go back out and record it so that I can maybe get information to give to the police? Yes. Do I go? To stop that person. No, because I don't know, A, maybe they have a gun. You know, I I just don't want to be shot. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to go and think, you know what? It's my power to go and stop that guy. Because mm-hmm. you just don't know. That being said, if I went outside and someone was beating the crap out of my neighbor... In that instance, I probably, I would still call the police, but I would probably go and attempt to get that person to stop beating the crap out of that person, because then that is someone's, you know, another person's life could seriously be in danger if it, you know, the two minutes it takes for the police to get there. True. And while that could end up with me getting hurt as well, but I'm visibly seeing somebody get the crap beat out of them. You know what I mean? (laughs) Mm-hmm. And so to me, that's like, okay, this is clearly an actual threat. Mm-hmm. But that would be about it. And, the, and, the, and while I think there was a variety of things that led to the not guilty verdict for Mr. Rittenhouse, um, mm-hmm. which was how raggedy the prosecution's case was, they did score one one, uh, one a few points that I saw because I didn't watch it live. I just kind of went back and forth, you know, to look at the highlights and things. Mm-hmm. And one of the days that Rittenhouse was on the stand, you know, he mentioned how the, the one man that he shot, the survivor, um, he talks about how 
that man approached him and had a pistol in his hand. And he said, I thought he was a threat. That's why I shot mm -hmm. him. The prosecutor says, well, did you ever think that at the same time you thought he was a threat to you because he had a gun? You were just as much of a threat to him because you had a gun too? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, and mind you, I don't know what Rittenhouse's response was because I blanked out most of what I heard him say. I just <laughs> I don't buy it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But I don't I don't know if that even occurs to any of these people who anoint themselves amongst the righteous and decide they're going to exercise their second and get on board with the militia and say, right. I'm I've been I've been anointed to go protect this, that and the third. First of all, most of the time, no one asked you. Mm -hmm. No one. And to this to this point, even since it happened. Up until now, I have not heard a plausible explanation as to why he was even out there at all. Yeah. Like, I, nobody called him. No one was like, hey, yeah. we're running short on people over here. No, no, it was none of that. I, yeah, I don't recall the police going, you know what? We just want people from all over the country to come up here and help us police the area. I don't recall sure. that. And they already had armed people doing that very thing. As far as being enlisted by local business owners to protect the property, there are already people out there doing that. Yeah. So I'm absolutely baffled as to why he believed that that was necessary for him to go do, unless, and I'm again, I'm keeping in mind that he's he's now 18, but he was 17 at the time. He had probably grown up around a culture that encouraged that kind of thing. Yeah, and I mean, let's be honest. Part of this is also that he was 17 years old, and 17-year-old males are essentially idiots. <laughs> As somebody who at one time was a 17-year-old male. <laughs> so that does enter into the equation. But adults are in his life. Yes. And they should have stopped it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Whoever it was, and I found out later that it was not his mother that drove mm -hmm. him. It was, um, I think it was a family member. Or a close friend mm -hmm. that ended up driving him into Wisconsin. Yeah. And it was another person that he knew that got him the gun, like you said. Yeah, yeah. And I don't so, know if this is true. I saw some something, like I say, I do not know if this is true. I heard that his mom might be a little developmentally challenged. Oh. And unfortunately, I do know of cases where non-challenged children of challenged parents take advantage of it but from what I, the guy that bought the gun I, yeah he knew better yeah and i'm sure if if i understood right also that the young man's father lived in wisconsin if i heard that right but yeah. it wasn't like he was going to see him that wasn't the case at all yeah so but apparently when he did what he did him and whoever brought him over they went back home and he went and told his mother what he did and she took him to turn himself in mm -hmm. so but be that as it may, if for some reason, you know, they would they had that kind of fame and dynamic that he was over he was able to just ignore whatever she said and walk out the door, yes, there were other adults in his life. And, yeah. and and we know being teenagers at some point ourselves, it doesn't matter what the adults tell us we're gonna do what we wanna do. Right. <laughs> yeah. So in his case, this is this is what it led to. But here's yeah. the here's the fun part. As you probably know, he was on your good friend Tucker Carlson's show yesterday. Oh, yeah, the, the lovely Tucker. Mm -hmm. And then today, 
quote unquote, demanded an apology from President Biden for alluding, for alluding <laughs> he was a racist. to the idea that he was a white supremacist. Bless his little heart. This <laughs> yeah, I, I have a feeling Biden's going to ignore that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's not bothered. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that's going to... But like I said, that's just it's just one more example of the level of entitlement and audacity. Yeah. That in his case, because he's young, it got handed down to him. Someone told him, hey, when yeah. you speak, people should listen. And he believed that stuff. Yeah, and unfortunately now, this is another thing that sort of is irritating me. I have a feeling now that Kyle is being used by right-wing media. They do not care anything about him. They don't really care that he was acquitted. He is a prop. Mm -hmm. Tucker Carlson is using him as a prop. Mm -hmm. All the other people that are doing all of this stuff are using him as a prop. Accused child sex trafficker, Congressman Matt Gates, who offers him an internship in Congress, is using him as a prop. They do not care about Kyle. And at this point, he was, you know, he was acquitted, and we have to respect the jury. But if he gets used as a national prop, that could actually probably do some more long-term damage to him, because whatever the reason he went there, he probably does have some, you know, some PTSD over the whole thing. Granted, he caused it himself. And now he's going to be a prop of the right-wing media, which is probably going to also cause issues and the truth of the matter is he just needs to be left alone go back home and even though there are going to be people that will know what he did over time it will probably fade out and maybe he can be a reformed person <laughs> you know what i mean is that making sense maybe he'll grow up yeah and hopefully it's the kind of thing where he's like oh my gosh i really 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 screwed up on this and I need to spend my life making up for it. But if he gets I, turned into a prop, he might not do that. True. And, and I agree with, with all of that. And then just to add what you said about, you know, congressmen offering him jobs, uh, Paul Gozar also offered him an internship. And this is the man whose own family campaigned against him. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He needs to be kept far away from Paul Gozar. He, need, he, Paul Gozar needs to be kept far away from everyone. Yes. That man is, a, is mm, he's not right. <laughs> I'm going to just yeah. say gently, he's not right. He's yeah, not we right. need to go and like build a cabin for him and like some glacier in Greenland and just occasionally drop some MREs to him. That and some magazines. I don't, it's just. <laughs> well, we don't want to give him magazines. I don't think we'll he's, give, he needs to read I while mean, he's we'll there. I mean, we'll give him the fun stuff like, you know, oh, what's the one I'm thinking of? That's the LGBT center cute one. I think he would enjoy those. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree. Um, and, 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 and it's funny you mentioned that about them trying to use him as a prop because he insists he's not going to allow that to happen. Okay. <laughs> right. He showed up on Tucker Carlson three days after the verdict to talk yeah. about you're not a racist and you support BLM. There is a little more to that story. Some of the people that donated to his defense fund him being followed by Fox News cameras in that interview with Tucker, Car Tucker Carlson was part of them paying for his defense. Mm -hmm. so, so he was being used as a prop mm -hmm. even to get his defense paid. Yep. Well, 
I'm going to, we've been talking pretty seriously here for a bit. We're going to take a few minutes break because I need a serious drink. <laughs> Not of alcohol. This will be tea. I, I don't drink and podcast. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a loose tongue anyway. I don't need to make it worse. <laughs> so we're going to take a few minutes break and uh, we'll be back in a few moments. Okay, we're back. We both took a nice long drink of water or tea or whatever Kenyatta is drinking. I'm assuming it's probably a whiskey sour. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Today it's water. I'm doing good. <laughs> <laughs> but we have some thoughts on the Unite the Right trial. Going to move in on that. And Kenyatta, why don't you uh, share your thoughts? Okay. So for those who may not know, back in August of 2017, a group of, and they would not call themselves this, but that's what they've been reported to be since that point, a group of white nationalists <laughs> yeah. organized a rally and called it the Unite the Right rally. And this was in protest to the proposed removal of a statue of Confederate General Robert E. Lee up in Charlottesville, mm -hmm. Virginia. Right. Well... Counter-protesters showed up, and unfortunately, this ended up being a very violent um, clash of yes. the nationalists and the counter-protesters, which unfortunately culminated in someone, and I, I don't even want to say his name, but James Fields okay. drove his car through a group of the counter-protesters, right. injuring many and killing one young lady by the name of... Heather Heyer. Mm -hmm. So, about a it's been in the works for about a month now. Some of the, the pro counter protesters that were injured put together a civil lawsuit against several of the rally organizers and some of the nationalists uh, for and charged them with conspiracy to incite violence at this this um, rally. Mm -hmm. And a verdict just came in earlier today that. The plaintiffs had been awarded a $25 million award for mm -hmm. emotional damage and things of that nature. So naturally, of course, the defendants, some of the defendants are appealing, which shouldn't be surprising. But right. <clears throat> this is interesting to me because, as I um, mentioned to Jack a little bit a little bit ago, this was a quiet kept story. This did not make the news rounds as heavily as either the Rittenhouse trial or the Met the McMichaels and Brian trial. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, and I don't know if it's because it was a civil trial and not a criminal trial, or what that could, what, what that, this may end up meaning to the future of white nationalists. Mm -hmm. And I read a very interesting think piece about this particular verdict being the one, and not to minimize anyone's death but this particular trial may be the one that ends up meaning the most when it comes mm -hmm. to squashing i'm going to just go say the menace of white nationalism because if you hit them in the pockets they've they have no resources they can't right. go out and do all these playing all these rallies and do all these things and organize this that and the third so i kind of agree with yeah. that i agree with that as well and i have a couple of thoughts 25 million may seem like a lot of money, 
but mm-hmm. each plaintiff isn't getting $25 million. That's total. And if you have 25 people that are part of the class action, then they're each only getting a million. And depending on medical bills, they could have had, not that they're, not that they wanted to get rich off of it, but they may not be really getting, you know, just a whole lot out of that. And if it's 50 people, then that's 500K per, you know, and the more people that are <laughs> in that class action, the less and less, you know, they're going to get, and then they're going to get taxed on that. And then there's lawyers, fees, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So by the time it's all said and done, you may only walk away with like 25k <laughs> maybe and and for some of those people that were seriously injured you know they've they've got ongoing you know medical bills that they may still mm-hmm. be trying to pay off to this day yeah but and if you have to convert still, a house yeah yeah for ada that ain't cheap it's not but even considering you know the monetary value of what each plaintiff may end up walking away with to me that kind of judgment is more symbolic than anything. And it's kind of, and I almost, I almost put it, um, I almost felt like it was the end result of that trial was the complete opposite of what happened with Rittenhouse. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of think pieces about Rittenhouse's trial was that, okay, now it's going to give more people the impression that they can go out there and, and be part of a militia. And yeah. they're entitled to go out and protect this, that, and the third when they have no business doing it. There's that. But this is falls on the opposite end in that, hey, if you hit these people in the pockets and you don't give them the ability to gather resources, then they can't go out there and do these kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. So you're right. Almost two ends, two diametrically opposite results. Yeah. And, and honestly, I felt the way it should have been sort of reported in importance was the Unite the Right trial, the McMichael McMichael's Bryan trial, and then the Rittenhouse trial. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're just modern day KKK, and so yeah, have, losing the ability to go and have other rallies like that in other parts of the country is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I always found it, I always found it interesting. And I have a friend that kind of thinks like this. She's, she's funny to me. Those folks had the courage of their convictions. You guys rolled out there in khakis and white pullover polos with tiki torches right. and showed your faces. You have the courage of your convictions. However twisted they are, you were bad enough to show your faces and chant, we will, we will take it back from the Jews. You had the courage of your convictions, and you were not afraid to show your stupid faces. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't, uh. it's still a mind blower because, you know, Charlottesville is about, I want to say, four or five hours from me. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you know, it made, you know, everybody, everybody knew it. It made national news, but it was a big deal around here because once again, you had so many people in utter disbelief that anything like that could happen here. Right. Really, guys? Are you sure? Are you, th- are you really <laughs> that surprised? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. The whole, all that, all those people are just stupid and they need to pull their head out of their asses. I don't, I don't, it is, I don't, it, I don't, I don't think that kind of, that those kinds of ideas will ever, will never be free of that in I, this country, at least. I, I tend to agree with you. The strange thing is, now, now go with me on this weird tangent. Um, mm-hmm. If, if you're listening to this podcast and you, I have another podcast called Musings of an ADD Mind, I have pretty severe ADD, have my whole life, and I go on tangents. 
and I'm about to go on one. But there's a point at the end of this. So, what, 50,000 years ago, there were three types of hominids on Earth. Us, modern humans, Neanderthals, and a third group called Denosovans. And they all intermingled. They were bumping uglies. <laughs> and it was happening. I don't know if you've ever seen an artist's representation of what a Neanderthal looks like. I have. They were not going to be winning any Miss Universe contest. but Well, I mean, they all looked alike, so it was all subjective at that point. But my point is, is that at some point in human history, not only did racism, I guess, not wasn't that big of a deal, because we were banging completely other types of humans. <laughs> right? <laughs> as far as I know, yes. <laughs> and so, well, I mean, there's DNA of both groups are in modern humans, so it only got there through one means. Mm -hmm. And so, <laughs> I, and actually, I guess I've, read some things that racism is actually somewhat more of a modern thing like to the extent that it is now uh, it's sort of different than how it used to be used to be it was kind of well we're romans everybody else sucks you have to you know do what we say now it's sort of different than like modern racism and it's just so it's just so retarded and stupid sorry i didn't mean shouldn't have said retarded sometimes my age kicks in i, I understand you get one pass <laughs> okay <laughs> but, <laughs> but no i i hear what you're saying and and now you're going to make me go and research some things later on this week when you talk about racism as it is in this modern age is somewhat different yeah it but, i can't it's something that i've like read and sort of heard people talk about but it's not something that i've like sort of read about enough to fully explain the differences there's so much out there, though. That's the mind blowing. Yeah. yeah. And, for example, uh, most people don't even realize this. You know, there's a whole part of Europe where the countries are the Slavic countries, like Poland and Czech, the Czech Republic and Slovakia. They're called Slavs, Slavic people. Mm -hmm. Well, the reason they're called Slavic people is because for so long, the peoples that lived there were dominated and made slaves by the rest of Europe. <laughs> that their region became known as they became known as Slavs because that was the Latin word for slave. <laughs> so obviously people are always kind of been dicks and there's been slavery. And then it's just, you know, at some point I, I'm not even fully wording this properly. I don't know how to properly say it, but there was a point where not only was it owning slaves, but it was owning slaves because we're superior to these other you know this other group this other group is less than they aren't full people is that making sense oh yeah because i mean that's 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 the basis of of this country yeah because trade here when the romans had slaves you were captured in battle or whatever but they didn't think that you were less than human mm -hmm. in with slavery here in the new world, that was part of it. Oh yeah, and and it kind of blows my mind that how how can I say this without going way off the rails and not making any sense? When, <laughs> right, that's my problem. <laughs> <laughs> when and I like I said I read I read quite a few things here and there over the years, and it's like I said so many things out there and a lot of theories and of course a lot of facts. But depending on what you're reading, it sometimes is difficult to put it together. And right. 
part of the reason that, and I, I'm, I'm not, I don't even think I'm making this up. This was a theory I had read at some point or another. Part of the reasons why um, folks that settled here in the New World found it fascinating to have slaves was, one, they didn't want to do the hard work. So yeah. for them, it was a more profitable to either go to the continent of Africa and just either kidnap people outright or, and yes, it's true, make deals with certain leaders of certain tribes Mm -hmm. to exchange some of their people for money or other goods. And from there, they would take, they would take these, these now captured people across the sea and you know, they were dropped off here and there before they made their way to this country. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's called the, the, the slave route. Yeah. Um, but part of the reason that they got away with what they did for so long was they managed to convince themselves that they were entitled to have other people make money for them mm-hmm. at very little, very little trouble to them, one. Two, because you're bringing people... You're, you're taking people from their native home who do not speak the language of the country that they're being brought to. So, of course, it's easy to convince other mm-hmm. white folks that these people are stupid, that they're uneducated. Uh, and yeah. that wasn't true. They just didn't know. Well, yeah, right. exactly. So, <laughs> so it's and then, of course, like, as you as you say, the the way racism was developed in this particular country, if I'm understanding somewhat I read right, is. It was, it was like they say, it's more of a construct, and it was a way to be able to, for white people to justify having other human beings as chattel slaves. Not, not just the slaves to work their, to work their plantations and their farms and to take care of their families, but outright forcing them to breed and to produce more slaves for them for as long as they felt like they could do it. Yeah. It, you know, that's a pretty good business model when you can have a hundred employees that all you got to pay them in and, shitty houses that were probably rodent infested i mean that's that's and that's you know there's no cost (laughs) yes and that's the thing about it is like they they like i said they managed to justify doing this to another to another group of human beings because they had convinced themselves and other folks that they were superior yeah, and ironically enough, they also use the Bible because in the Old Testament it tells you how you're supposed to take care of your slaves and that having slaves mm-hmm. is okay, and so they use the Bible. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the Bible also tells you how to treat your slaves, and they did not do any of that. No. <laughs> so, Which goes back to my earlier point about it's not the religion, it's how, it, how people choose to interpret it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, but, yeah, I just... It, and like I said, it should have come to, it shouldn't have been any surprise to any slave owners at any point when black people were like, well, put it this way, when Af- the Africans that were stolen and brought over here as slaves, when they decided, uh, yeah, we're not doing this anymore. It should have been no surprise at any point to any slave or plantation owner when they decided they weren't going to do it anymore. Right. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and, we're going to go ahead and leave. Uh, and we're going to go ahead and take care of you, the whole family, and burn down the, the whole farm, all of it. There shouldn't have been any surprise because they had fooled themselves into thinking that this was something that was going to last indefinitely. Mm-hmm. But not only were they surprised, they had the nerve to be angry about it. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, dang it, you you just burnt my house down. 
Yeah, oh, so what if your So what if your back looks like Freddy Krueger? You know, <laughs> you it doesn't know. matter what we did to you. It doesn't That's matter how inhumanely we treated you. You have you took no that business. Wrong. Yeah, <laughs> you took it all wrong. How dare you? <laughs> we, we were only, we had the best of intentions when we were whipping you. You know, the Bible says spare the rod. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, you know, there have been people out there that, that have the nerve to say, you know, slaves had it pretty good. Oh, okay. <laughs> sure. Right. Yeah. And, and to me, that's just, that's the mentality that just country was built on. And that's, yeah. that's part of what um, everybody's trigger trigger phrase is, uh, critical, critical race theory. That's part of what that is right. built on, how this country is steeped in its foundations are that of racism, period. Yeah. Well, I, ha- I have sort of a few thoughts, if I could real quick. One, mm-hmm. chances are there probably was a scale of how slave owners treated their slave. You're still a slave. I'm not saying that that was right because some were treated better than others. But I guess if you were going to be a slave, you want to hope that you're treated the guy that treats you better and not the the super horrible shitty ones. So there is that. Slavery's still wrong, and it's wrong. It'll always be wrong. And I'm not justifying. I'm just saying there probably was a scale on, but you were still always a slave. So you were still always less than. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And then my other thought is, is after the Civil War and we were going through Reconstruction is when the KKK was started by a former Confederate general. Mm-hmm. And what should have happened, I, don't re- I can't remember if it was probably, probably started under President Johnson, who was Lincoln's VP, and then probably under Grant. Honestly, what probably needed to happen when they found out the KKK was doing that stuff. The federal government, rather than letting it slide, should have went and hunted all those sheet-wearing people down, put their asses on trial, and they probably would have got the death penalty and executed them, and it would have stopped the KKK at the get-go. But that, clearly that didn't happen because the descendants of those assholes are still... Now they're just wearing white shirts, chanting about Jews in yeah, with Charlottesville. Torches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I and I can I agree with you on on that part in theory. If they had done that, maybe. But that kind of mentality is always going to find somewhere to root and fester. Yeah. And if it wasn't the Klan, it would be somebody else. Yeah, you would have to and hope you, that the racist people being dead can't pass it on to their kids. But I guess their racist wives probably would have, because then they would be mad that their racist husband was killed for being racist by the. The government, so you're probably. <laughs> and the, and let, let's just say that did happen. Let's just say, and and you know, local local law enforcement, with the help of some kind of federal law, managed to grind out those kind of quote unquote organizations early on. Mm-hmm. It still, unfortunately, doesn't negate all of the individual. And I don't know if I'm saying that right. Individual things that were going on during that time, like you said, during mm-hmm. Reconstruction, all the way through the earliest, the early 20th century, all the way through the Civil Rights era, those things were still happening, but on a, mm-hmm. a smaller scale. We're talking about, you know, public lynchings, where whole whole neighborhoods would come out to watch a black person being hung. Yeah, we bring the kids in picnic lunches. You know, and take and take yeah. pictures for postcards. Those kinds of things, I think, would still be happening, even if there wasn't 
a wild, wide-scale national effort to try to stamp out. That You know that was a thing in the Civil War? <laughs> Wealthy people would go like on hills or whatever and watch the battle, mm-hmm. and there'd mm-hmm. be people that would paint the battle, and they'd be having picnics watching you know, the Union and Confederacy going and killing each other. That just seems, I don't know. We watch horror movies and maybe that's what gets our brains out of it. I don't know. <laughs> I think I think those kinds of things are like the predecessor of, of today's reality shows. You get to yeah. sit there and be an observer to some of humanity's most disturbing behaviors. Right? I, I have never thought of that. I have never thought of that. I can't believe they would do that. Did you see that happen? I'm glad that's not me or something like right? that. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, when they're at we've discussed this previously, you know, people are like, Well, you, we're not in the same race. You know what I mean? <laughs> A lot of times in America, when you're you know, white and the starting gun is sounded off, you're actually on the track and then for you know, African Americans you're not even in the stadium yet. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's hard to it's hard to catch up. And then when people intentionally aren't letting you in the stadium, it it makes it, you know, difficult. If you don't want your children to I'm not even gonna say like KKK racist, but to have like a a racism that they may not even know that they have, if that makes sense. You have to have an understanding of how certain things have been done that were, in fact, that you may not even know it were racist. Marriage certificates, that was started for race reasons, so Uh African-Americans couldn't marry white people. Marijuana was made illegal so that African-American males wouldn't have sex with white women. Weird how that happens a lot. Now, plantation owners had no problem knocking up their slaves. But because that was, you know, that was their property. They could do with that what they pleased. Right. And that's just, you know, two things. That's literally marriage licenses and, you know, marijuana. And think about the marriage license thing, though, because that, of course, then spread to, you know, the LGBTQ plus community mm-hmm. and their ability to be married. Uh-huh. And I guess the the government... I guess they kind of need a record of people that are married. I don't know, because it does make it easier for divorce and custody of children and yada, 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 yada. Mm -hmm. But it was not put in place for that reason. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's 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 not why they did it. (laughs) And that's the thing about it is, like you said, a lot of these laws that are so common, you know, we don't think twice about them. They were put in place specifically to disallow anyone who was not white to be able to do certain things. Yeah. Like I was just reading an article a couple of days ago. I think it was um, Ohio. I think it was somewhere in Ohio. And it was it's actually uh, something that occur- that occurs in quite a few states and I had never heard of it before where property owners and neighborhood associations specifically would add covenants to property records in deeds that stated this property shall not ever be owned by anyone who is not white. 
Oh wow! And it wasn't. It wasn't just you know they focused part of the article on one particular neighborhood. I think it was mm. Ohio, but they said there there are states around the country that certain neighborhoods have these covenants in writing that state that these properties or any building on this property or this land or so on and so forth mm-hmm. will never be owned by anybody who is not white. And this apparently is quite common. And is and if you believe it or not, it's apparently a hassle, depending on what state you're in, is a hassle to get that removed from the property records. Yeah, I well, doubt. unfortunately, once a law is passed, it's forever there. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. They, they won't even necessarily laws they weren't like local you know city yeah. or town laws or state laws yeah. they were just simply passed by the people by the hoa or yeah. something you know something equivalent to that at the time well hoas i'm going to go on the record as saying are evil they are little micro power trip and i'm sorry you are not going to tell me the size of a potted plant i can put on my porch <laughs> <laughs> or what or what color i can paint my door yeah, and ironically enough, these are probably the same assholes that are mad that about vaccine mandates. How dare you tell me what I can and can't do? Your potted plant on your porch is too large. But that reminds me, is it was it a Geico commercial where they made fun of HOAs? Where the, the HOA president, she was coming around and the new people on the block saying, uh, hey, your mailbox? It was oh, like yeah. Little, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the people were standing on their porch staring at her like, huh. And then a neighbor comes by, he's like, oh, you've met Mary, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, I guess it's one of, it's, that's one of those perverse examples, I guess, of, of early uh, homeowners associations. But yeah, I, that kind of blew my mind reading that article. I'm like, wait a minute. This is nothing more than a piece of paper that says we don't want anybody besides folks who look like us to ever own this land or the house that's on this land, but they just can't get rid of it. They just can't tear it up and toss it away. It's not that simple. Like right. some, the, some of the states and some of the localities, people had to jump through hoops and fill out forms and pay fees to get this stuff taken off of the deeds of their own property. And once again, well, not once again, but at what point when you're at your HOA meeting and somebody says, you know, I think we should do this. How does somebody not stand up and go, that proposal seems kind of racist to me, and it probably goes against several Equal Housing Act laws? Just saying. I'm not going to vote for that. Um, here's the thing, and it goes back to what we were just talking about. They found a way to couch or justify their reasoning and saying, well, we only want the right kind of law-abiding people in this right. neighborhood. And, of course, they made the assumption that anybody that wasn't white we're probably going to come in the neighborhood and cause trouble. And that's probably part of how they justify it to themselves. Well, oh, no, that is how they justify it to themselves. Yeah. That's that's precisely yeah. how they do it. But I don't know if you're aware of this, Kenyatta. We have been chatting for well over an hour. Indeed. <laughs> so I'm, the way it always happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, well, when you're trying to save the world, it's hard to shut up. <laughs> we have our work cut out for us. I know. (laughs) So I guess way number two to save the world is remember that everyone you encounter has feelings. They're a person. They have people that they love. They want 99% of the people. They want better for their children. They want 
their family to to be well and to be in a good condition and a good place in life and not have to worry about things and that is that's really the only entitlement a person i feel should you should feel you're entitled to and that's to have people love you and accept you for who you are <laughs> mm-hmm. i agree 100 percent. and as and as long and i and just to add to that i believe that you're entitled to live your life the way you want to. You're allowed to be whoever you say you are, as long as you're not causing intentional harm to anybody else. Yeah, you. Uh, part of that entitlement is if you want people to love you for who you are and accept you, you need to give that back. And if you want people to care for you, then you need to do the thing to care for other people, even if it's something that's small. Say I mean, wearing a mask. When you think about it, life is is really made up of a lot of really small moments. Yeah. They really are. One small moment can explode into a big thing. It really can. And, and we've had, you know, we've talked about several instances of that tonight. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's another uh, sound of freedom in the background. Indeed. <laughs> That was uh, that was quite powerful. There are a lot of planes that fly by my house. The cool thing is when the Air Force has the summertime air show, I don't have to leave my porch to watch the Thunderbirds. I wish I didn't. I mean, I live near I knew I live near um, uh, Air Force Base as well. Um, it's Langley mm-hmm. Air Force Base, and where I used to live was actually much much closer, but. Both times I hear the planes. Well, I didn't hear it the last place I was in because that 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 location was further away from the runways. But this one, yeah, we hear them on a on a regular basis throughout the week. So, yeah, it's something I've gotten used to over the years. So, yeah, me too. Uh, when, of course, growing up on Air Force bases, I'm sort of immune, generally speaking, to the sound of planes because you're just mm. used to them. And my wife was always like, "How does that not bother you?" I'm like, "What." what are you talking about it's like the the plane i i i've lived around it my whole life (laughs) like something just broke the sound barrier did it i didn't i didn't know this interesting you just keep eating your cereal i didn't hear it you Uh, you notice a lot of things i don't (laughs) weird (laughs) i'm gonna be sleeping on the couch later (laughs) but yeah oh goodness no uh well I guess we probably should sign off. Uh, if you've tuned in to the first episode of Kenyatta and Jack Save the World, we understand this is a long journey. That we have a lot to talk about. You can't, you can only eat an elephant one bite at a time. Uh-huh. And uh, that's that's what we're gonna do. And Kenyatta obviously agrees with me because we're doing the show together. But we think that being able to openly talk about things is one of the things that will make the world better and help save it hopefully so that's that's what we're betting on and i think correct me if i'm wrong jack i think you mentioned this on your your um your podcast um that if if anybody listening has any thoughts on what they like to hear us talk about please feel free Mm -hmm. and um we'll see about working into a topic on a future podcast yeah and if you're uh listening we have a facebook page kenyatta and jack save the world and if you encounter a wtf moment that you would like for us to point out 
put it on our Facebook page and we'll try to make it happen. And the more outrageous, the better. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, <laughs> guess, I guess I'll uh, talk to you via via text during the week. Yes, Enjoy the lovely Virginia. And I hope, for what it's worth, uh, you enjoy it down there in Oklahoma. And uh, have a good Thanksgiving and such. Yes, you too. I hope you get to eat all that you uh, want to eat. I have my special Thanksgiving plate that is a large plate with like eight different compartments. <gasps> oh, you have it separated. That's fabulous. And it was really for like snacks or something, but I made it my Thanksgiving plate. So anyway, <laughs> we, we will... I mean, whatever works. I, I'm not even mad at you. I just, I'm fat for a reason. I, <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything about that. You don't have to. I I know the truth. I oh, I have goodness. to see me when I shower. So. Oh my. <laughs> That's why I do it with no lights on. There's a lot less crying that way. Anyway, <laughs> we'll talk to you guys next week. Goodbye, everyone. We'll we'll see you, quote unquote, next time. Eh, everybody, take care. <laughs> Later.